0: This week I am at the Amsterdam Tavern on Morgan Ford in the Tower Grove South neighborhood. I am with Billy and Jeff. We're going to talk about the history of this tavern and of course the World Cup is upon us so we'll get to that as well. To begin with guys, how did the Amsterdam come about originally?
1: Oh, it was a couple of friends and I had an idea to open a bar um, and they wanted to open a soccer bar. They both played collegiately, and uh, they'd worked for USA Soccer, and were just real involved in soccer. So this space came available, and we sat down and talked about it,
0: and we opened up
1: a soccer bar.
0: And at the time, that was what, 14, 15 years ago?
1: 2008. Okay,
0: so at that time, I've been following soccer my whole life, since like 1982. So I'm very aware of the U.S. presence in soccer, and when fan involvement started. And around that time, it really started picking up. by the 2010 World Cup right. was huge. So I guess you kind of struck while the iron was hot, in a sense. Yeah,
1: we did. Two, uh, 2010 World Cup was when we looked at each other and knew that we made it. We after the first like three days of the 2010 world cup we were like oh my gosh this is unbelievable i mean we had lines out the door we you know we just had no idea what to expect and it was it was incredible that was
0: when we knew okay this is it we're going to be around for a long time and why was it called the amsterdam tavern
1: we we were looking around for a name we liked there was a bar at the time called the dubliner here and we liked that name, that kind of European-centric name and you know something that would have to do with soccer. And we were just all big fans of Amsterdam, and you know Holland's got a great team. So we thought, you know, Amsterdam Tavern. At the time, it sounded weird, but now it sounds completely normal. But we just wanted a European feel.
0: Well, Billy, let me ask you, what is your personal connection to soccer?
2: First and foremost, uh, travel. Really, traveling got me into it because it's an international language.
0: That's a good way to put it. It, it, it really is. You so you travel around to different games.
2: I got the travel bug and traveled around Europe. But I think it was in Poland. I was watching the, the Champions League final, like in <laughs> in Poland. Wow! And I see everybody like going crazy, and I was like, wow, okay, something to this. <laughs> it's very it's very
0: infectious. I went to the 2006 World Cup in Germany, and I had just never experienced anything like that. I mean, I had, I had gone to the U.S. World Cup in '94. And that was great, and you could get a taste of what the international flair is in the world of football. But seeing it in Europe was a whole nother level. Hey, Jeff, how about you? What's your personal connection to soccer?
1: Uh, Really, mine wasn't a lot until the tavern opened. I mean, I paid attention to it growing up, but you could only really. All we had was Soccer Night in America on Friday night on PBS. So, you know, you get one German game a week, (laughs) you know, that as a little kid I would sit and watch and be like, you know, wow, what's this? What's going on here? But. Then once we opened and I started seeing all these people coming in and, hey, are you guys really gonna show soccer at 6 a.m.? know, I thought, man, these guys are pretty crazy. And then they start showing up at 6 a.m. and 7 and 8 a.m. And I'm like, wow, this is the most dedicated, supportive fan group of any group of, because I love all major sports, I watch them all. And I mean, but the fans in soccer are so dedicated. They are so much more dedicated than any other fan. I don't care what you say, folks, sorry, but soccer fan is the number one most dedicated fan there is. Just to even get to watch it, they have to get up at 6 a.m.
0: And then sometimes you have to stand in line to get into this place. You do have to stand in line.
1: Or, you know, I mean, we, we've we got a decent size inside, but, you know, people sit outside. And I remember the first few years were like, no one's going to come in. It's cold. Everybody. They'd come in, there'd be no one inside. And they'd all be outside in the snow watching it on the TVs outside. And you're just like... All right, this is great. You know, what a bunch of great fans. Yeah.
0: So how do you handle that when you have a game you know is big? Do you just, you know, let it first come, first serve?
2: Or you do a lottery? Well, uh, it is first come, first serve. <laughs> yeah.
1: Usually I'll talk to other owners on um, taverns up the street, and I'll be like, hey, guys, I know for a fact today we are going to be one in, one out. If you open up at noon or if you open up at 1 o'clock, I will fill your bar. And they do, and they love it. You know, it's like, it's great. They... I'll just get a hold of a couple of them and just say, Look, guys, if you'll open up, I guarantee you're going to have 250 people in there. Just all you got to do is tell me the word, and they will. Because, you know, once you get in here, no one's leaving. So if you're in line, there's really no way to get in. No one's going to leave. You know, like the USA game coming up here this next Monday. The game's at 1 o'clock.
0: We'll be one in, one out at 8 a.m. So they'll be here five hours before the match. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that place will be packed, packed at 8 o'clock in the morning. Packed to the gills. And
1: there's two other matches to watch, so, you know.
0: Right. They're... Now, okay, that's Monday. But then Friday, it is England versus the U.S. I mean, it doesn't get any bigger than that. You have a lot of English fans here in St. Louis. Not to mention, of course, the U.S. fans. How are you going to handle that? Close the street down. There you go.
1: Invite 1,500, 2,000 of our best friends. That's basically what we do. We shut the streets down. The city's pretty nice to us. We'll, we'll be shutting the streets down twice for this World Cup. We'll shut them down Friday for the USA England match, and then we'll shut them down again for the final. Um, but yeah, that, you know, and we get together. We have a good partner with Urban Chestnut. They'll come out here, and we just turn Morgan Ford into a soccer viewing area. And it is unbelievable. The atmosphere is unlike anything that you'll ever see. It's just crazy.
0: There's such momentum around soccer in St. Louis right now because of the MLS franchise. Can you talk a little bit about why soccer is so big in St. Louis?
2: Definitely the, the history is here. The 1950 team.
0: For those who don't know about the history of it, the the 1950 World Cup um, eight, team. Eight
2: members uh, were from the Hill neighborhood.
0: And that's where they practiced.
2: <laughs> yeah. They go and defeat England. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of guys from here. From St. Louis. <laughs> basically, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I think just in general, like St. Louis, obviously the the soccer is ingrained in us. But if you do anything in St. Louis well, people will get behind it.
0: This place has just adorned with soccer gear. How, where do you get all this stuff?
2: Really, uh, mostly it's customers slash friends, because they've become friends, have brought in almost all of this. Wow.
0: I mean, it, for those yeah. who haven't been here, I mean, it, the walls are covered with jerseys and flags and scarves and pictures, and it. Uh, it just invites you in. If you're not in the world of soccer, well, you are now <laughs> when you come yeah, in Yeah, it,
2: it really is. Uh, uh, we, we had a, a pub crawl come through a couple weeks ago, and it was a scavenger hunt and almost all the teams got bogged down here because there's so much <laughs> on the walls, they couldn't figure out like what they were supposed to find.
0: <laughs> and now let's get to part two of my interview at the Amsterdam Tavern with owner Jeff Lyle and general manager Billy Holly. I heard rumors that you guys are looking at maybe expanding. Is that on the table? Yeah, yeah.
1: We, uh, you know, they can't build a soccer stadium and not have us down there around it. I was so, gonna say <laughs>
0: uh, we're
1: gonna have some uh, some news here real quick, but yeah, we will be down there by the stadium. We'll have a new place. Um, you know, what we do is mainly European soccer focused. So the MLS for us is a whole new ball game. Basically, what it means is on Saturday and Sunday when the seasons overlap, we'll have soccer matches on from 6 a.m. until midnight. And it's going to be unbelievable. It's just a whole new revenue stream for us. Because, you know, without a team, people weren't really paying much attention to the MLS. I mean, if you don't have a dog in the race, what do you really care? We'd try to show MLS. People wouldn't come in and watch it. Uh, but now that we have a team, that's a game changer. I mean, the whole thing, hit the reset button, and, uh, you know, we're going to start having European and American soccer on all the time.
0: You heard it here. They'll be downtown near the stadium So you'll have lots of options, and all of those places will be filled.
1: Absolutely, there's enough room for everyone. Hey, look, for years and years, my partners and I have sat around wondering why someone else didn't open up another soccer bar. I mean, now granted, it's not the easiest thing in the world to open, you know, with your crazy hours, you gotta open up, and, uh, you know, being, there's a lot of days we open at 6 a.m. for a Bournemouth versus Watford game, and no one shows up, but you have to be open. Just in case there's mm-hmm. one person that comes in here that <laughs> wants to watch Watford, you have to be open. And then maybe even, why is that? Why, why do you believe? Well, it? because I'll tell you what we we found a couple times earlier when we thought ah, maybe maybe we won't open up early today. That game's no good. And then you hear from one or two people, and you think, all right, we we just have to be open no matter what. It doesn't matter. You got to do it. The fans expect it, and. You know, it, work, it works out because then people realize it. I hear yeah. of other places that have temporarily
0: tried to become soccer bars over the years and they just open for one game or here. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't do that. It's funny you mentioned Bournemouth versus Watford. I mean, that's English. And you would expect, you know, some fans there, even with the smaller teams, but I've been in here when there are games from South America, small countries that you wouldn't expect, and there are fans in here from those countries wearing those jerseys. That's Absolutely. what I love about. Yeah, All the time.
2: Yeah, the time. that's one of the coolest things. There's a diaspora, especially like Central and South Americans that live here. There's not like a, it's a, a barrio or a neighborhood. They're spread out. And so they, they literally wanted a, a place to call home. and And that's one of the coolest things about it is when they say – when they come here and they watch it, like a South American match or something, and it's like, this kind of feels like home, back home. And that's, it might sound cheesy, but I think it's really cool.
0: Before we started this interview, guys, I saw you preparing. What do you have to do to get ready for this?
1: Luckily, you know, we work together with all our suppliers because we can't hold enough beer and alcohol in here to, you know, service the customers every day because this is an all-day, every day, for the first 15 days... We're we're open at 6 a.m. and we've got soccer games going until three o'clock, and it it's packed every day. You know, 2018 was kind of like, all right, USA is not in it. What's it going to be like? What's going to happen? Is it going to be? Are there going to be less people, or what's going to happen?
0: The answer was no. No
1: idea. <laughs> it, you could it didn't matter. USA wasn't it. We couldn't fit any more people in here every day even if USA would have played. So it didn't matter, you know, so that's, you kind of realize, all right, let's make sure we have beer. Uh, We, you know, we order more bathrooms. We get ice machines. We run a lean deal here. You know, we don't really serve food. We lease our kitchens out. So we might have nine, 10 guys that bartend here total. So when the World Cup comes, we have to get another 15 employees. It's exciting. It's like a little kid at Christmas. We're all excited.
0: Tell me about the spaces you guys have. It's not just the tavern. You've got more space on this block.
1: Well, we had an opportunity to buy the building next door. So what we did was we bought that building, opened another spot. Um, Not necessarily soccer-centric, but uh, definitely all the overflow can go there. You know, for the World Cup, it's just basically going to be like in Amsterdam, too. So we combined the beer gardens out back, so we've got a lot more space out there. And basically, you can roam in between both places and... You know, I mean, you can do anything you want to. So it's been a real bonus for us. And this will be the first uh, World Cup where we've got both places active. So that's going to be really nice to have.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of extra room. And that's Trace Is well. Trace Keys? yep. But it doesn't serve Mexican food anymore.
1: No, we've uh, changed out the food program. We serve uh, burgers, wings, fries, donor kebabs, real easy to eat stuff, kind of European street food.
0: And finally, do you have a, any story that kind of stands out from your time here? Something that happened, a moment that you remember?
2: Well, go back to Spain. I was here for the final. I had brought a paella. (laughs) A paella? paella. (laughs) We were running around with the empty paella pan like it was the trophy.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah,
2: I guess I was destined to work here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for me, I'd say it was just 2010 when, when Landon Diamond scored the goal against... Algeria, I believe, and I'd never heard nor seen a crowd act like that ever in my life. I mean, we weren't serving beers; everyone was watching. The clock was running down. Uh, You know, this was our first World Cup, and when he scored that thing, we didn't care that TVs were getting messed up. We didn't. I mean, beers (laughs) were thrown, people were running around. It was the biggest mayhem I'd ever. I I was just like this. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> wow, I mean, it, it. I mean, that's where you just knew, like, it was on the map. I mean, we had people, I had neighbors over here going, "We were about to call the police. We didn't know what was going on. It was so there was such a roar for so long. They were like, we, we really didn't know. Now, now our neighbors are used to it, but back then they were like, "What? Wait, what's going on here? We, that's, there's too much noise."
0: Well, twelve years later, I won't be surprised if you hear another roar like that. I hope
1: so. We, we need a couple of roars.
0: Jeff, Billy, Amsterdam Tavern. Thanks so much for your time.
1: All right. We appreciate it. Thank you. you.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.